Welcome to The Accountant Quits. On this podcast, we discuss how blockchain will impact the accounting profession and how accountants should prepare themselves for the future of work. I'm Umar, your host, and even if some might refer to me as The Accountant Gone Rogue, my job is to provide you with the blockchain knowledge you need that will be relevant for the accounting industry as a whole. Welcome to episode 26. If accounting standards are still playing catch-up with digital assets, bookkeeping can nonetheless be done right. But tracking and extracting on-chain data for accounting is a tedious task. It's time-consuming and bridging that data to an accounting software can be daunting for accountants. One company that wants to automate digital assets bookkeeping is Crypto. Crypto allows you to convert the blockchain transactions from wallets, exchanges and custodians into your accounting software to facilitate your reporting, audits and tax filings. Essentially, crypto is facilitating the adoption of digital assets by building a bridge between crypto and traditional accounting systems. Today I have the pleasure to speak to Antoine Scalia, the founder of crypto. Antoine and his team can be proud to have already put crypto on the map as the industry benchmark for digital assets bookkeeping, working with leading blockchain projects such as Cardano, Solana, Consensus, Aave and a lot more. In this episode you will learn the bottlenecks with converting crypto transactions for bookkeeping, how crypto's platform facilitates reporting crypto transactions, why crypto is a good auditing tool, bookkeeping for DAOs where 100% of transactions are on-chain and much more. Antoine, welcome to the show and thanks for making the time to be here. Hi, Luma. Pleasure to be here. To start, can you tell us a little bit more about your background, how you became interested with blockchain and the story that led up to founding crypto? Sure. So we started, I'm from the last rural run wave of entrepreneurs, so founded crypto in early 2018. The idea originated from, you know, like seeing in 2016, 2017 and beginning of 2018, like a sort of a sudden adoption use case for like for crypto, crypto and corporates. So we've seen all of a sudden all these companies honing a lot of crypto, which were all these ICO funded companies. The Looking at this sort of phenomenon, the idea was to, we thought, okay, what's, if we see more use cases like that in the future, if we see more reasons why companies will hold crypto in the future, there might be some interesting things to start building now. And long story short, we decided to focus on the accounting problem, which later on became a back office problem. We'll be able to talk about that. And that's how we started, basically. We started because we thought we we wanted to make a bet on adoption of crypto at the at the time. It sounds like these ICO companies, it sounds like there were a lot of problems with them. It, sound, it sounds like it might not be the use case that will drive adoption moving forward. But um, it sounds also kind of fair to make a bet on adoption on other use cases. And that's what we've been doing since, since four years now. Before we speak about what crypto does, could you explain some of the common bottlenecks when it comes to for companies who have invested in digital assets? When, what they face when tracking and reporting these transactions into the accounting software? Sure. The main problems, if there are a few problems. First of all, the starting point and the reason why we decided to focus on the accounting problem was because it's, it looks like there, there's a lot of overlap between the technical problem that is a company is facing when it comes to putting the crypto side of the activity on their balance sheet with the, um, the challenges that an individual is facing uh, when you want to declare their taxes. And basically the problems are related to like pulling data from the different sources, different crypto products that the company or the individual is using. So I would say that that's the, the first problem like that they are facing is how to pull data from all the different products, all the different wallets of different exchanges that the company is using and do it in a kind of an automated way, but more importantly, in a auditable and accurate way. We know that like, even though there is a sort of a paradox in crypto, which is blockchain is supposed to be public and so the information is supposed to be easily accessible. That's what we thought at the beginning when we started like four years ago, we thought that data collection was not a problem. We thought that the only problem was collecting data from exchanges because it's centralized, because they don't really care about the quality of the API. But on the on-chain side, it was not a problem. But moving forward and having, being, having the opportunity to work with very large crypto native organization, we 
actually so, and now I'm more super convinced that the data collection from the chain is actually one of the biggest challenges that these companies are facing because the current tools that are out there to pull data from blockchains, which are mostly chain explorer, are not made, are not, uh, made to do what we're calling enterprise-grade back-office, which is basically just having a system that lets you collect all the data and basically lets you yeah, collect every tiny movement and not miss any transaction. And so that, I would say that's the, that's the first and biggest problem that companies are facing now. And which is funny is that we did it in the, at the beginning, as I said, we thought that wasn't a problem. And we thought that the main problem, the more important problem was not to pull the data, it was more to process the data and then push them in, a, in an accounting system. And so that's the first like big problem that we that we solved. We were the first company to release automated integration with Zero. Uh, that was 2020. We built this integration in a way that any company, whatever the size, whatever the country, was able to automate data export to Zero. And that was actually a big challenge because you have on the one side you have the team sending data, trying to process another bit and sending data to the accountant, and the accountant basically had no clue how to automate data export or just how to import data. And, and zero. So we that was the first thing that we solved. But now again, coming back to what I said earlier, we believe that the most like the highest challenge that these companies are facing is mostly on collecting data from blockchain. If these companies, of course, are doing most of the transaction in blockchain. All right. So you've mentioned some of the some of those bottlenecks when it comes to tracking and extracting on-chain data. Could you now speak about crypto and how it facilitates converting that data into like the traditional accounting records? Sure. So we have, you really need to see our product as like two layers. Today, work 100% together. So the first layer is on the data collection. So we let our clients track and automate data collections from eight protocols, eight layer one protocols, something like 12 or 13 exchanges and three custodians. On the on-chain side, as you have understood and as you've said, the introduction is our main focus. We tend to build ourselves all the data infrastructure, which is which means basically running the node ourselves, indexing the data ourselves, and do this in direct partnership with the foundation building these protocols, because most of them are our clients. So basically, if you are a business and you want to automate your data export, you will the first step will be to track all your wallets and track all your crypto products and leverage our, uh, our data infrastructure to, to pull all this data with Everything that goes with that, we meaning all the like the checks and the audit and all the, the the processes that we're implementing, either manually or automatically, which basically gives the team a super high level of assurance that the data that they have in their transaction history is actually accurate and balances match and all that stuff. So that's the first thing that you're doing. And then the second thing is the second thing in the second layer is basically the data processing and and kind of reporting layer which of course includes accounting. And to do this, basically you need to, when you have a trans, when you're looking at a transaction on chain, right? You don't have, you have no clue of what this transaction is. It's very difficult without any human input or without having more context on a transaction, what a transaction is in terms of accounting nature. If for instance, I'm, I'm one of your employee and you paying me in crypto every month, it's difficult to say, that my address, which is like 0x, whatever, uh, belongs to me. And it's impossible on chain to know that this transaction is like a payroll expense, for instance. And so you need to have that input from, from the user. And that's what the UI would be used for. The companies will use our product to interact with the software to basically teach the software, you know, how to identify these transactions, like to try to teach the software how to classify transactions using, there's a few tools available in the software. So that basically you can, on top of this transaction history that you have and that you're super confident that it's like um, capture all the tiny movements, on top of that, you can have metadata that will have context in the transactions and uh, make these transactions like bookable in a way, right? And so you're using all these tools. Part of it is also done fully automatically by our software using our integration with DeFi protocols. And that would be the sort of the second step, like re-adding metadata on a transaction and try to do it in, a, in, a, in, in an automated way. And the third step, which also is included in this like reporting layer, is basically onboard the sort of the specialist, like the accountant, the tax advisors, like the auditor, so that they can leverage all the different modules 
build on top of this transaction history to meet their like their their requirements. So you will have the accountants will be able to step in, connect the zero account, QuickBooks account, whatever, or connect any ERP system software and basically map a chart of account with what you see in the transaction history with the classification that has been done with the assets and start basically automating ledger entries export to your accounting system. Right. You've briefly touched on the onboarding experience, but could you provide us now with a walkthrough of how crypto onboards a client? And are there any prerequisites that company must already have? I would say so the onboarding basically it is so we are we are B2B on the product, right? And um, and so we have when we onboard a company, basically you have access to all our support team or success team. You have a larger organization, you have access to an onboarding specialist. We will work with you during a dedicated onboarding period on making sure that all this work of like classification and identification, everything is done properly. All the data, they're making sure that all the data that is captured is, is, is correct. So that basically as fast as possible, you can put all these like sort of tracking and all these bookkeeping kind of autopilot and you can move as fast as possible on trying to train the different specialists, like the different professional services on how to use this product to meet basically all the company financial reporting requirements from accounting, taxes, audit, internal financial reporting, all that things. In terms of like, if there are anything required from the company, basically, no, we can start like we've, we've worked with companies that have, we've been onboarding recently, like large organizations that have not never booked any crypto transaction in their books since like 2016. And so we're doing, and so they have basically done nothing. And so we're doing all these work with them through these dedicating onboarding to be able to sit down with them and like catch up with all these years. And so we, we are able to do it. It takes a bit more time, right? Because it requires a lot of input from the company as well as time time on our side to be able to train different people. Usually you have different users to so train each user properly. But the, the object, the problem is already to catch up with the past. And that's what can make things a bit more complex or what, that, that's what makes like an onboarding a bit more complex than another one um, because some companies have a lot to catch up in the past and the same way if I look at your, at your personal wallet and I ask you in 20 uh, like pick randomly a transaction that you did in 2016 and I ask you hey Omar what this transaction is you know you'll have you take some time to remember what this transaction is if you end up remembering what this transaction is if I pick another transaction that you did one month ago, that would be easier, right? So that's kind of the same thing. And if these transactions are tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of transactions to catch up with, that would be a bit a bit longer. But like everything is on the chain and 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 usually we we end up being able to to book all these things. Now, once the on-chain data has been extracted, and like you said earlier, this data is raw and each wallet address has to be mapped with the accounts under the chart of accounts of the accounting software. Crypto is not an accounting software per se, but rather a tool to facilitate the accounting of crypto with the existing accounting systems. As of today, which accounting software does crypto integrate with and how much of that accounting process can now be automated? Yeah, so today we have, we can can connect to any accounting system in a way that what the, the output, one of the output of the software on the accounting side is basically being able to produce journal entries and produce journal entries in a way that is super flexible. It is that's super flexible and, and basically is not, you're not limit whatever you are a trading firm in the US or you are, I don't know, like a firm accepting crypto payment in Switzerland or in Singapore, you will be able to automate the writing of these entries exactly the way you will want. And you have a report, which is a CSV export that basically lists all these entries that our algorithm will have written for you based on your input. And, ledger, and as you know, ledger entries, since it's kind of the universal you know, language of accounting and accounting system, every accounting or ERP system, in you, you can import ledger entries using CSV. So which means that we have actually clients that are using, we have clients that are using QuickBooks and Zero, but also like ERP system like SAP, NetSuite, a more ger- ger- sort of geographical focus other accounting system. In France, for instance, we have one Penny Lane, you have in Switzerland all other ones called Abacus. 
And so basically, my point is like you have crypto, we have crypto data in really a lot of different accounting systems. But for most of them, the data is imported manually to a ledger entry import. We do have autom- fully automated integration with QuickBooks and Zero, which means that you don't need to go through the, the ledger entries CSV, the ledger entries export to import data in, in QuickBooks and, and Zero. And so here you can you leverage all the API connection that we have with these two tools to import a chart of accounts, do the mapping, and then automate ledger entries export directly into the two accounting system. Next, I have a specific question. When using a tool like crypto, I understand a lot of the hard work has to be done in the beginning, but once the wallet address has been identified and mapped correctly, the subsequent transactions bearing the same wallet address can now be automatically labeled. However, there can be some instances like a payment to one wallet wallet address can have different mappings. I might be paying a supplier for just for the sake of an example, for a marketing expense, but also have another invoice for consultancy. So it still means I have to manually tag these transactions for their appropriate categories. How does that work in practice with crypto? So you can build rules based on either like your address or the counterparty address or both. So if you have, you can, so you can see that through your wallet's the studio wallet angle or to the like, counterparty angle. So let's say, I don't know, from the same wallet or the same company wallet, you're doing payments to like, you're doing monthly payments to like three different vendors. And these three vendors are different. You know, one is, I don't know, a marketing vendor, another one is a lawyer or whatever. You can basically build labeling rules based on these counterparties. So you can say everything that goes to the marketing vendor should be labeled as marketing expense. Everything that goes to this, specific guy should go should should talk to the law firm should be I don't know like labeled as a legal cost for instance rather than doing what you suggested which is saying everything that goes out of my wallet should be labeled as like I don't know like expense because in that in that situation you will need to you need to have the detail of what these expenses are so that's why you can leverage also the the counterparties in the future we'll have more and more like kind of sophisticated rules to be able to try to, to help you have more yeah, more sophisticated roles, having more sort of freedom and flexibility on you know, how you can you can you can label things. Another point, another last thing I, I wanted to add is part of our value proposition is, as you understood, is really providing at the same time the on-chain data capabilities as well as the strong and flexible like accounting capabilities. On the on-chain side, which it's we so far we've really talked about like the layer ones, which is you're doing transaction on Bitcoin, using transaction on Ethereum and using our data infrastructure, you're able to reconcile raw and auditable transaction history. But on top of these layer one connectors, we should be able, you know, to identify, to do all these classification work for you, right? Like, uh, especially if you're doing smart contract based transaction. If it's the same example that we used before, which is like you're doing a payment, you're paying me. It's, it's actually complex, as I said, to identify that this is like a payroll expense and stuff. But if you're doing this payment non-manually, but you're doing this payment using a non-chain tool, you're doing this payment interacting with a contract, and you interact with the contract, and then the contract makes a payment to me. If you're doing this, for instance, if you're using something like Request Finance, which is a non-chain tool that lets you invoice, we'll have, there's basically, there is some metadata directly on the chain that are available for a data provider like us to identify what this transaction is. And so taking the example of, of, of Request Finance, which is one of our partner, the idea is here in that in that case, uh, look, because we are integrating with them, because we have access also to off-chain information, but more importantly, on-chain information, we are able to directly say that this payment is a payroll expense without, without requiring you to do anything because the information is on the chain and we can identify this. So really on the on-chain side, our what we want to our value proposition is like auditability and fully completeness of the raw data, as well as a sort of data enrichment layer on top of that that lets you uh, um, that basically lets you directly book these transactions without doing this first work of like enriching data and adding metadata. Got it. So if a company is using request finance, that just makes their 
life easier when coming to crypto because that job of labeling has already been done when creating the invoice. Exactly. And you have with the request, you have you have multiple benefits. The first one is actually these like sort of very I feel that like you know the, the world has been facing these problems since like a century and it has never been solved. And every company, including ourselves, are facing this problem, which is really like a painful and really shitty problem. So if we're thinking like that, which is like reconciling invoices and payments, right? Like this is just like a really a terrible, terrible thing. And the first thing that this integration lets you do is basically do automated real-time reconciliation of invoices and payments. And the reason why you're able to do this is, is because you have this idea of like crypto to request finance product is basically putting the invoice and the payment in the same lot, both on the chain. And so you can do it like real-time reconciliation. So that would be the first thing. So you can basically, you connect to your request account and all the transactions that you have will be mapped with, with invoices. And then you can have also the, the metadata on top of each transaction that will help you also do automated labeling. Moving on to DeFi, I noted that uh, crypto has integrations with um, DeFi protocols such as Aave, Compound, Uniswap, SushiSwap, OneInch, and a few other more. Even though the accounting treatment around DeFi transactions are still unclear, like, for example, in the accounting of LP tokens in a liquidity pool, which you subsequently use for yield farming, but crypto can track all those transactions and map them accordingly. So far, what has been the challenges around DeFi transactions, both yep. around like mapping them on crypto and subsequently on the accounting softwares? Yeah, so I do think it kind of relates to what we said at the beginning. Today, the problem for DeFi and companies like wanted to book DeFi transaction is mostly a data problem rather than an accounting problem in a way that the... So actually, there are some updates last week in the UK regarding taxation of, of DeFi, but of course there's a lot of things that are not addressed. And so there, there's a lot of sort of accounting treatment opportunities because like since since it's kind of blurry or there is like a no clear statement made on that, you can you have basically different options, which is not a bad thing. The problem that these companies are facing is more okay, how to pull data. Whatever we want to book we want to account for this, we have no way to basically pull the data. And what is very complex with DeFi is you have two levels of data that you need to be able to book your DeFi, book your DeFi activity accordingly. You have you need to track all the movements that comes in and out of your wallet, movements that, that goes to uh, from DeFi protocols, lending protocol like swaps or whatever. And so yeah, you need to identify you know when you are supplying liquidity to a contract, when you're repaying your debt. When you're swapping token and all that type of thing, this is kind of the first level of information. This is what crypto helps you to do, and usually this is all these movements like supplying liquidity and all that, all these auto labeling that we that we mentioned before, which is like crypto is able to label the transaction without needing your help. This is so something that that we do and something that we do pretty well, but that's only a part of the information that you need, right? Because there's a lot of things that happen also on the smart contract. So when you are supplying liquidity to a contract, you have a position on these contracts. This position could be could be represented to the liquidity token that you have on your wallet, but potentially this, as you said, this liquidity token might be already elsewhere to do some yield farming or whatever. And so you need to have a way to basically know what the, the different what is the position of these different wallets in these contracts in terms of rewards in most liquidity contract you have different types of rewards also and this information is only available through the contract and not through your wallet so for instance if you want to if i want to know right now so we have as a company we we're of course we're doing all these things we're doing all these things to experiment we're doing all these things to try to account for them we're doing all these things also as a kind of a treasury strategy and so today for instance we have like exposure on curve like but it's very difficult to know how many tokens, how many claimable tokens, uh, CRV and all the tokens I, and, and like the other tokens I have, I could claim right now. So I will need to go to the contract and do like an interaction with the contract to know that or use a sort of retail DeFi product, something like Zapper that might, that might have me do that. And so this is being able to pull this information in real time and way more difficult historically 
because I also in an accounting perspective, I would be, I want to know how many claimable CRV I had on 31st of December, right? Like, uh, which is like the last day of my accounting period. And today there is absolutely no product, no data product whatsoever that lets you do that, like no position of a contract historically. And so these two things, what are we calling like um, DeFi smart contract monitoring? That's, I don't know if it's like exactly how we found, this is how we call it internally, like DeFi smart contract monitoring. This is like one of the biggest things that we are currently building with the help of all like the, the biggest DeFi companies because we're working with lots of like large DeFi protocols as a client. And so we're working closely with them to basically build this data structure with like onboarded in the last round that we did also a lot of like sort of corporate DeFi people. And this is a huge problem for the industry. No one is able to do this. This data is not available. And this is what people are looking for. And this is, this is what we want to build more than just like identifying movements in and outs, which is like, it's better than nothing. <laughs> it's way better than nothing, but it's basically missing something here if you want to account for things properly. Wow. So I think at the moment it would have to be like done, like done manually to be able to at your end, for example. So, yeah. So uh, actually it's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny because we've, we've done this, we've, with lots of our clients, we've booked DeFi activity in their books using our product, and we've even done it for ourselves. So leading this because I was really curious. So I was working like during three days with my accountants to say, hey, like how do we solve these things? So you have two, you have again, you have two type of things that you need to do. So automate all the ledger entries export to your accounting system based on the movement that you did from and to the smart contract. So let's say let's take a, a simple example. You want to, you're supplying liquidity to a liquidity protocol. Let's take another example, like Aver, for instance, you're supplying, I don't know, like USDC to Aver, right? And so on crypto, you have a withdrawal of, let's say, 100,000 USDC to Aver. And so you can find, usually this transaction will be automatically labeled by our system. And here, you can, let's say, it's, it, the label is supply in our system for such transaction. And so your accountant can go in our product and say, okay, each time there is a transaction that is called supplied, it should go, it should be booked in this PNL account, for instance. And so you can do this for all these different payments. But then at the end, let, let's say the, the position is still open, right? At the end of the accounting period. And so I do need to have information around like the, the rewards I've made since the opening of this position. And this, usually what we, what we will do is you can go, you look directly in the contract on the 31st of December and you say, hey, actually, we this is like the, the rewards that we were able to get since the beginning of the opening of the position. And this is a manual work. This, you go to the contract, you look at this and you book this manually. And you can understand you, you, it's, it's 100% doable. It's like if you're structured and so we're working, since that we're working very closely to our clients. We send reminders to do such to such things like it's like it's doable, right? Like, but you can. But these guys, the people who are doing this, you know, they are like the most sort of uh, the first testers of that. Like, you know, they are like the sort of the beta tester of this like DeFi for companies thing. And so, it's fine for them to have like to face this kind of limitation. It's they would they would prefer not to face them, but it's it's fine for them because they're not here. But they're here to experiment, right? They're, they're here to experiment. They're here to be the first ones. And so being the first one, it goes with, you know, some, some limitation and some drawbacks. But our thinking and what we're seeing, we, we talked also to a lot of companies that are not crypto. And I want to jump into DeFi for mostly for treasury management purposes. And this is a huge blocker for them to adopt this technology. When we tell them, hey, the data layer like the data infrastructure is not fully ready for but for, for you to track everything that is happening including your current position and you will need to have some manual some manual tracking and manual like yeah tracking it's something that is impossible to hear from a sort of traditional company and and for us that's that's we were saying at the beginning that the on-chain data problem is is the biggest problem for the industry today and it's also the biggest problem for people to onboard in crypto on, on crypto or DeFi. And yeah, and that's very, 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 very true for DeFi. Especially like every smart con complex smart contract based activity. And DeFi, of course, is the is the best example of that. As a former auditor, I also want to speak about how crypto is an excellent tool for auditors. 
auditors would be required to independently obtain assurance on those transactions. From my experience, the auditors could extract the on-chain data and then maybe take a sample of the transactions and check whether these were mapped correctly. They can take a sample of top 10, top 100 transactions. That's how we would do it in practice. I noted that Mazars has been making use of crypto. Could you, of crypto, could you dive into why crypto is a good auditing tool? And again, what have been some of the challenges that auditors have faced with uh, extracting on-chain data? Yeah, so it's the same it's basically the, so the this uh, the the relationship that we have with Mazars they have been really super uh, super interesting. They people like Mazar or like other types of auditors they basically looking for when a company is coming to them and says hey so in in the case of Mazar it is like very two large exchanges very very large exchanges and they were like auditing these they are auditing these three exchanges. And so the exchange is coming to them and say, these are our books from last year. On the 31st of December, we had 10,000 Bitcoin. These are all these addresses that we've been using to transfer Bitcoin. And so what Maza wants to do basically is to check that, yeah, on the 31st of December last year, they actually had 10,000 Bitcoin. And so what they need to do is they need to have access to auditable enterprise grade like data layer data product, basically, so that they are able to reconcile these transactions using all the Bitcoin addresses that the exchange has provided. And the problem that Mazar or other auditors are facing is that there is no such thing as enterprise-grade, auditable, audit-ready, on-chain data product on the market today. They're not able to use Chain Explorer because this is not like for all the reasons I've mentioned at the beginning. And also because these products are not like B2B, they're not corporate product. They don't have SOC certification. There's a lot of things missing. So basically, for all these reasons, it's very complex to use these products. So they basically have two options. The first option is they can build their data infrastructure themselves. And we've seen some big four company, especially in the US, building data infrastructure themselves, running the node, uh, writing index, stuff like that. But this is very, very, very costly and requires super like high knowledge and expertise on the data infrastructure. So if you are like Deloitte in the US, like you can do it. If you're like not Deloitte in the US, basically you're not able to do it. And, and so you need to have access to another data product. And this data product happens to be our, happens to be our product, even though it has not been built by uh, for, especially for audit purposes. Actually, the data layer has been built for like being used by enterprising, being auditable. And, and one of the value proposition again is to have like accurate uh, data so and we are b2b and enterprise facing products so these two come from the two entities we're working with two entities two offices of of mazar have been using our product to basically doing what i've what i've described at the beginning so leveraging our data, data infrastructure to basically reconcile transaction history and match bottom lines with what their clients say they were holding at the end of the year Next, I want to speak a little bit about DAOs because essentially a DAO's balance sheet exists on a public blockchain and it's viewable yep. by anyone. So if every single transaction is on-chain and given how the number of DAOs have been spiking in number lately, this market is up for grabs for crypto because it means like it really means 100% of the transactions for the DAO is now being handled by crypto. Could you speak about how you've been working with DAOs and why do you find DAOs promising in general? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's a very interesting one. And that's also, I know I've said at the beginning, we want, today we're really describing ourselves and what we're doing as back office infrastructure rather than accounting tool or B2B tax tool or whatever. Because again, we think that the, there is a problem when, when there is a corporation, an organization that is running on chain. They have, even though the data is supposed to be public, and so even though, like for instance, treasuries of DAOs or any other crypto-native organization is supposed to be easily accessible, the reality is that it is not. So there is a problem that all these organizations are facing, which is collecting this data, processing this data, which is basically valuing the data and like fair market using fair market value, which is LG in any fiat currency, doing some spaces, classification, all the things that we've mentioned, and then use this data to meet financial reporting requirements. And 
working with DAOs, like they're not really, they're not coming to us because they want to book data in QuickBooks. Some of them are, uh, but that's, I would say that these are like the biggest, the, the biggest and largest DAOs, which are already like, you know, properly structured in the US. But the other ones, they're not really, they don't really care about the accounting and tax aspect of things, but they care about the financial reporting aspect of things. They care about like having data that they can use to build financial reports for like the DAO community, DAO community members and build sort of what we're calling transparency report also for other people out for potentially outside the DAO that will want to join the DAO or that will have to want to have access to what the DAO is doing with the treasury with the treasury. Because again, that's one of the like one of the super cool feature of like a native organization is like the this fi- total financial transparency, which is a theory because like again the data is easily accessible and it's not easily accessible and not easily like reconcilable. But with a tool like like us it's it's possible. So that's a very interesting thing that we've been starting to do with a few DAOs that we're working with. So our focus as um, we haven't like said that and, and even like written or focus especially on DAOs and say, hey, like we want to work with more DAOs, just that there's we, there's a lot of inputs, there's a lot of inbounds and more and more of these inbounds happen to be DAOs. And so we started to sit down with them and, and try to understand how to work with them. And so, yeah, it's exactly, you know, our front list, DAOs is exactly what we are interested in because it's purely on chain. You can, we are at a very early level of what DAOs are able to do with the treasury and the more like the data problem would be solved, the more sophisticated they will be able, the more sophisticated treasury management policy they will be able to implement. And you know, the more the fastest they reach this sort of state where the crypto native organization, like from what DAOs are, and you can say, okay, we are transparent by design. This is you can audit and you can see all these financial reporting real time. The more they can reach to that state, they're not really at that state, the more they can reach to that state, the faster the DAO, the DAO adoption and the DAO development will be. And that's what excites us in this development of DAOs. And to be this tiny break, of course, there's a lot of different things. You know, I'm not saying that this is solving the only problem that the DAO space is facing, but it's definitely an important problem. And so we want to we wanna work closely with, with this space to be able to to solve that, that problem across different types of DAOs. Today, we're working with DAOs like Friends with Benefits, pulled together, working with a team at Lama that is doing some financial reporting. So we're seeing the different angles of different teams, but definitely this is, we want to put more resources, more focus into being able to build these modules on top of this tracking tool that lets DAOs do what they want to do. Now, to have the accounting of digital assets to work seamlessly under this decentralized narrative, you need different players to come together and leverage on what the other company is building. For example, you mentioned request finance before. Are there maybe some other partnerships which would help to bring the whole vision of crypto together without necessarily mentioning any names? Yeah, for 100%. And actually, it's funny because yesterday I spent like all my afternoon like looking at like DAO tooling type of company, you know, and try to and try to answer this question that you're asking. What we what we think this is the first thing that we that we are 100 confident about, whether it's you're talking about DAO, you're talking about crypto in general, is that the the very very cool thing with crypto, you know, it's this idea of like Lego. It's this idea of like if you if you bundle product A or protocol A with protocol B. That would be the use of like the value proposition and the value that these two protocols would be higher than if you're using these two protocols independently. And it's exactly the same thing for what we are uh, doing. And that's also why we wanna we are partnering with layer one protocols, we're partnering with DeFi protocols, we're partnering with tools like request finance, because the more you add these things together and the more the more you help the, the industry. Moving forward, to give you an example that is not really related to DAOs, but more adoption of like institutional players, which today, like institutional players, when they want to onboard in crypto, whatever the reason why they want to onboard with crypto, they're basically facing a very fragmented market, right? a very fragmented yeah, market in terms of like the solution that they need 
to basically do what they what they want. So what they need is first of all they need a custodian. Then they need to find if I don't know if they want to trade or if they want to accept crypto for payments. They will need to find a payment processor, right? Like um, that they can use to process all the crypto payments. And then they need to have a bookkeeping system um, that can help them meet all these things that we've we've been we've been talking about. And today this market is fragmented because these are different providers. Products are not necessarily integrated with each other. So it creates friction and creates complexity when it comes to like onboard on these use cases that they have already identified and they're kind of ready to do it. But this friction creates basically slow everything down. And so that's why today we're working with like among the largest custodians to try to build seamless integration, working also with like the payment provider and basically any tool that you could be able to that you should be able to use or that you will be able to use across this this journey. And so we need, like we can see on the protocol side, a lot of protocol working together. We need to have the same thing on the sort of the tooling side or the transaction infrastructure side. And yes, yeah, so yesterday I was looking at polls in the DAO space to try to understand, you know, what would be the uh, potential like integration and what, what, what could be the potential for the value that these two can, can bring within, with, with each other. And, and, and it's clear that, for instance, like a tool like SuperDAO, for instance, be a very fun, I think crypto for SuperDAO would be something that is, that is super powerful. There's an excellent website called DAOmasters.xyz. It lists out a lot of the tools, how to grow and manage a DAO. And yeah, it's everything like in one website. So I find that really helpful. Speaking of the challenges as of today, what are some of the biggest challenges faced by crypto for adoption? That's a good question. I would say that the, it's always the same thing. One of the largest challenge that, that we have is you see, you have you already you always have, which is a good thing. You always have a gap between adoption of a protocol or a crypto product, and and having an available data infrastructure that helps people and companies adopting this, this protocol to basically you know manage their back office and keep doing on what they are doing, because there are sort of all the back office is 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 handled. What we're seeing today is that you have protocols that are being launched being adopted very, very quickly. And when they are being launched, they have all these like data infrastructure that is needed is not ready, right? Even in the design of the protocol itself makes it very, very difficult to track transactions. And so it's, you're always kind of lagging behind, lagging behind adding new protocols, integrating with like layer tools and stuff like that. And so that's kind of one big challenge is being able to reduce that gap so that, you know, people can, like companies and people can, and board, test, validate, and then build on top of this protocol rather than come, test, and then just face that there is like, if they want to keep moving and they want to, if they want to build on this protocol, they will have, they will need to wait for like data infrastructure to be, to be ready. So that's kind of a big challenge. And so that's why also we're working closely with lots of these protocols to basically be, you know, kind of the, the person and the kind of the group of people that they can work with to make sure that you have all the tooling, to make sure that they have there is everything available for people like us, but also for other people to build a proper auditable data infrastructure that, that these people can use, that their clients and their builders can use to basically use and adopt the protocol properly. So yeah, I would say that's that's a largest one of the large challenges for us. But again, since I think that the problem we're solving is pretty important challenge for the industry in general. I think it's also a big challenge for the industry in general. Coming to your roadmap, or could you share some of the upcoming milestones and maybe new features being released by crypto? Yeah, sure. We, in the in the next like month, uh, we'll have this on-chain focus will become one more strong. So we'll, we'll support two new layer one protocols all at least 20 layer twos and DeFi protocols on top of the layer ones that we already have. And we'll release, and I think it will come during Q2, these things that we've talked about, which is DeFi smart contract monitoring, which would be pretty unique on the market. And we believe that it would be a huge sort of enabler for DeFi adoptions. That would be a very, very big one. And another thing is, which is quite interesting, is because we're working in this like sort of fast-moving space, and we are working with these like crypto native organizations that like 
are being developed very, very fast. There is also a part of our roadmap on purpose that is kind of empty because we, since that we're learning every day new things and uh, new challenges that this organization are facing, and they're they also discovering these challenges with us. The There's always some new things that, we, that, that are popping up and that we want to be the first one to, to build. And so part of the roadmap is, is unknown and we can we can speak in in six months and see what we have discovered during this period. Slowly coming to the end of the podcast, I want to ask you something uh, a bit unrelated to crypto. Have you recently learned anything about blockchain use cases that you found fascinating and could you share why? Can be anything around DAO tooling, NFTs, anything around blockchain use cases? Yeah, I think the uh, I've been like person we are we're not really super good at, at that on the product side personally i've been super interested and invested also in in nfts and i've been in something i've been really like learning find really fascinating is, is around how nfts as well as what we're calling social tokens can be used like to, to structure to drive and to develop communities and so i've been learning a lot of things around yeah how nfts and Social tokens can be used in DAOs, but not only in DAOs, like just can be used by creators, basically gather people, create this feeling of like being a bit like this feeling of membership and this feeling of like being with like, yeah, being treated specially and being able to recreate this sort of people, some people say like sort of like mini states, right? Like at least like small economies that are driven mostly by this sort of feeling of like ownership to a community. And I find these these things really really super super interesting, and I've been following quite closely a few projects, both like in NFTs, working on that topic as well as social tokens. Yeah, I find that I find that super interesting as well. You mentioned friends with benefits, so they they have yeah. this community token that gives you like special access to that community if you hold that token. Exactly, exactly, and so you have. And and this could be done by like a ERC20 token, like FWB, but it could be done also by NFTs. Uh, you can drop NFTs to people and only people with these NFTs will be able to participate to the, to the community. And it goes, like the application of that goes way, way beyond just like being a member of a DAO and join a DAO because you're holding the token or you're holding the NFT. You have all these, it's still very, very like early, but you have all these trends of like creators creating, like that already have like strong, and committed community, we are creating either NFTs or or tokens that people can more earn than buy, but actually you can do both. And that's that's what interesting. There's some financial incentives related to that. But um, people can earn these tokens doing specific tasks, basically like by just adding value in the community and then being rewarded with this token and being able with this token to have access to specific content, specific concerts or whatever. And that's the whatever that I found super interesting, you know, like I won't be, I can just give you a few use cases or a few ideas I see or a few ideas I have in mind, but it's it's so early now that we're going to see so interesting use cases built on top of that. And that that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of my new thing and the uh, thing I'm interested in and, and investing in. Antoine, we are coming to the end of the podcast as closing thoughts. What, or maybe in a few words to summarize everything for all those companies DAOs willing to, I mean, DAOs, it's obvious, but for all those companies willing to invest in crypto, why would crypto be like a huge time saver for them? And do you have like any last message to them? Yeah, well, I can say that, you know, if you are crypto native organization, you better focus on building what you are building and never forget that, you know, at some point you'll have you will face the real world, like in the real and that's uh, the real world bits. Basically, at some point, you need to have an accountant that is looking at what you're doing on the crypto side. If you're going big, you will have an audit, and I can tell you that, like, having facing an audit when you're not prepared for a crypto native organization could be very painful. And that's the way it is, right? Like, that's the way it, that's that's the way it is. And so, that's the thing that you should care about first, being able to do whatever you have to do to be ready when these things happen and actually if you the sooner you start like the less friction it becomes and the good thing about doing this it's not like you don't need to see that really as okay we have to do it 
because otherwise I'll go to jail. You might not go to jail, it's just like uh, for the wording. Is once you have you, what you will discover is that we, when you have done whatever you need to do to basically automate this data collection and do everything that we've mentioned, to first, and that should be your first priority, that should be first to automate accounting and taxes. You will see that with this data infrastructure and this all this data that you're collecting, you can actually do a lot of very, very interesting things for your business that just go way beyond accounting and taxes. And so we started to do automated real-time financial reporting, communicate to token holders, and basically meet this sort of mission, found that this sort of mission that every Web3 company has, which is like uh, building a more transparent, more horizontal world. This comes also with like what you do with your data and what you do with your money. And so you have a sort of a unique opportunity that you will discover later on to meet that sort of kind of a dream or like long-term mission. So you're going to start now. There's a last question that I like to ask my guests before, before they leave is, do you have a quote or a maxim that you live by? I was, it's, not really a, it's not really a quote, but it's one of the, one of the values, one of the core elements in our company in, in terms of company cultures, which is that just like already be curious. We're working with because in this space when we looking when we're doing what we are doing, you're seeing so many new things. And to be honest, sometimes it looks so fucked up <laughs> that you can quickly say, okay, try to focus on the things that like makes the most sense for you, like at first sight. And you can miss a lot of interesting things. And so you already you always need to be curious to try to understand why people are doing what they're doing and try to understand why they're doing that to be able to, you know, like if if you think, if you convince that what they're doing is, is the right thing, being able to understand how you can potentially work with them and help them feel that, that what they want to do. So like curiosity and of course, especially curiosity in crypto and in every mining trends that's happening in crypto is something that is, that is super important for me and super important for like every person working in our company. Anton, thanks a lot for coming in today. Thanks a lot for your time. I really enjoyed this conversation. If people want to reach out to you on social media, how what are the channels that you're most active on? Yeah, they can they can find me on Twitter or they can find me on LinkedIn. And they can search for my name on Twitter and they will be able to see like a red vampire and that, that would be me. All right, perfect. I'll include the, a link in the show notes. <laughs> All right, then. Thank you very uh, much. That was um, a lot of this conversation. Thank you for your time, man. Thank you for inviting me. Perfect. We'll, we'll speak very soon. I would like to thank everyone for listening to this episode. You will find all the links of the episode, show notes, and transcript on the website of The Accountant Quits at theaccountantquits.com. Please note that this content is for general information purposes only and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. If you do know anyone who could benefit from the episode and you care about them, please do share the episode with them. All the episodes are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. And by leaving us a review and rating, you will support the channel and all your fellow accountants. In order to be notified each time we release a new episode, do follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. We hope to have you with us next time. Bye for now.